Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. On tonight's program, we have June Baylou. Now, she's looking at arguably her favourite stock in the market right now, following the good inflation number in the US that has sparked a nice stock market rally. She also goes through a number of tech stocks that have um, great upside potential. And she, in particular, she looks at zero. Then we have Anthony Doyle of Firetrail Investments, and he looks at the inflation number in uh, the US and the implications for investing overseas. A really interesting interview with Anthony. And finally, Paul Rickard focuses in on a company that he and I like, namely Zero. What's been going on there? Is this a company that we have to give up on or really invest more in because it does have a lot of potential? Now, let's kick off with June Baylou of Tribeca Alpha Plus. Thanks for joining us, Jim Lou. Thank you for having me, Peter. Okay. Let's talk about that inflation number mm. on Thursday. It must have made you very happy on Friday. Oh, absolutely. Look at that. That's what we've been waiting for. Yeah. And that's what Mark has been waiting for, waiting for that softness in inflation. And that really putting a rocket under the market. And mm. you've seen just general buying across every, mm. uh, pretty much every sector. Yeah. And especially those oversold companies like some of those growth businesses mm. really had a really strong day. Okay. And are we now awaiting another good one in December? And if we do, do you think that will lead to a, 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 a much bigger rally? Absolutely. So you, now it's sort of wait and see. We should see a better CPI. But look, market expectation expecting somewhat similar as what it is this month. And if that is the case, it's, it's good enough to really get the uh, equity market to continue. But if we get an even weaker one, mm. um, you know, inflation coming off even bigger, like um, that will be fantastic. Yeah, then yeah. that will be absolutely fantastic. But that's not in the expectation. So if no. we can hold what it is, I think it's good enough to... Yeah. What we're seeing is uh, product inflation is coming down pretty mm. quickly, but mm. services inflation is, is a little bit more resistant in mm. the US. Which is as expected. So people mm. are getting out and about, so they yeah. bought enough stuff and uh, they want to go out and spend. Yeah. Uh, it really just shows the underlying mm. resilience of the demand, right? Um, people will overspend on travel, will over, overspend on, <laughs> on restaurants. restaurants and hotels. And, mm. uh, you know, quite frankly, that will probably be here to stay for some time. Mm. Uh, but the goods should come off very quickly, mm. and we saw some of the commodity prices coming off. Are you positive on the news out of China that they're they're cutting back on their COVID restrictions? Mm, I think I'm very positive and mm. I have always believed that China, um, you know, we passed the Congress now and it is really a time to focus on e economic activity yeah. and that really has been dented by the very strict COVID uh, zero policy. Uh, we knew it is a path that government has to take yeah. and it seems to be a little bit faster than expected and next 12 months we really should see the economy really reopen um, but it might take a few months you know for the actual activity to flow through um, mm. but it, that's the path that they have to take. Do you put a guess in on whether you think the US will get a worrying uh, recession? I don't think so at this mm. point. I think US, everything's pointing to a moderate sort of slowdown, um, maybe a mild recession. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's a severe one at this point, especially if Fed inflation continue to moderate and Fed has become a bit more pra pragmatic. Okay, so therefore, 
you would be factoring in a pretty good year for stocks. Oh, absolutely. For Australian market, actually, if you look at Australian market returns so far this financial year, it's been quite good. Mm. Um, I think it's close to 11%. We delivered just under 15%. Um, and next 12 months, it's still looking pretty good because we got China reopening. Our commodity should do quite well. Our banks is doing okay. And everything else, you know, that's being sold off should have a better valuation support. Okay, let's go in, into some stock um, analysis as well. Last week, zero reported and the market didn't, well, wasn't impressed, mm. underwhelmed, if mm. you might say. Well, what's your take on what's going on in zero? Look, at the result actually is a bit better than expected. So um, in the headline number, it looks a little bit softer, but there was a lot of cost that they put into the first half that the second half is not going to incur. So, you know, when you take out some of those costs, it's more or less in line a little bit better. Mm. Um, so market just didn't like the commentary about second half weighted, right? Market always feel when a company says second half is going to be bigger um, to take that as a sort of, you know, Let's sell it first before we worry about the next half. So yeah. then there, I think everything's in line with expectations. Mm -hmm. um, people were worried about this um, economic activity dropping off very sharply in UK. Um, at this point, we actually just had um, a lot of analysts coming back doing the tour around UK and things. Um, things aren't that bad, mm -hmm. um, not as the way we see it. Yeah. So um, Zero actually still have pretty good momentum. Um, and being a company that's actually taking share, it's not about you know overall market growth and the like. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is pretty well positioned. Okay, so on that basis then, at the current share price, do you think it looks like a, a good buy? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, zero, you don't buy zero for next result. Um, you do buy zero for its longer term growth. Mm. Um, and so far, everything's intact. And uh, even if we have a nasty recession, assuming, mm. uh, which I don't think it's at that bad yet, but if, even if, if we do, um, <coughs> zero being you know one of the fastest growing and um, well anchored within some of the large business over there, mm. I think they will do very well during the downturn. Mm. Once upon a time, I thought zero was probably the safest tech play, but wise tech is looking like Mm. A very good play, isn't it? Uh, have you done your homework on YC? Is it a, is it a company that's going to do well when as growth improves mm. and as tech gets bought again? Is mm. it more upside for Wise Tech, do you think? Look, I, I think I'd much rather to be <coughs> sitting in zero than Wise Tech. It's just mm. simply because Wise Tech has done very, very well. It's almost yeah. close to its all-time highs. Yeah, and, and that's uh, why I'm asking the question. Yeah, so um, it's very expensive. Look, it's done very well. You know, it's actually thrived throughout that whole COVID period when mm. there's supply chain disruption and people worry about they might lose volume and things. They've done really well and they had really good results. So, um, you know, then there, it's it's been an incredible story, but it just does so well and it is very expensive relative to what the likes of zero and what mm. they're trading at. I'm much rather to put my money in zero. Um, you know, when the world returns to growth, when things look a little bit better, um, why is tech still going to grow as it is, as mm. expected, whereas zero is going to grow far, much, much faster um, than what people expect. And uh, why tech was once criticized by short sellers. There was mm. a problem with the company. Mm. Was Obviously, short sellers <laughs> were wrong. They are gone now. Okay. <laughs> uh, they clearly all, uh, all folded it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the next interesting one. Ordinate. Now, mm. we've talked about Ordinate in this program. Mm. It's, it's done very, very well mm. for tech company. Do you like the company? I do like the company. I always believe, um, I think even from beginning of this year, we talked to two things drive the market. One is, uh, or drive a stock price. One is the reopening uh, theme to that stock and mm. one is the, um, you know, the theme, uh, the, the, the valuation if it's really cheap mm. and you can buy that. Now the reopening theme is Ordnate. Mm. Um, it was very depressed when everything was shut, no mm. concerts, nothing. Mm. Um, and now really coming back to a trajectory where everything's, you know, people want to go out to have experiences. Yeah. All the concerts, it's mm. a shame, you know, Justin Bieber.
venue or cancel the concert. Mm. But uh, you know, there's lots of things uh, happening, um, and people will pay for those experiences. And that is where ordinary sort of very leveraged to that reopening experiential mm. things. So, um, so for me, this well positioned and really like this company. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's still little, but it's the largest yeah. in this category. It's had a big gain, but it's still well below its all time high. I think. Oh, absolutely. And let's go to another one that short sellers didn't like, namely mm. corporate travel. Mm. Now it's done very, very well. But is it overpriced at this level or it has more upside? I think the travel agent is looking um, a little bit tough now. Mm. Um, actually, today we just heard from Fly Center talking about margin is, um, you know, it's under a lot more pressure, even yeah. though the revenue is recovering. Uh, but for Fly Center, it's slightly different because of they had all their commission cuts uh, from the airlines and things. Mm. Uh, but things are going to look a little bit harder. All these companies have performed very well um, ahead of the earnings recovery. Now, the earnings recovery actually now start well on track. Um, but the trick is that corporate travel obviously being very exposed to the corporate travel spend. Um, a lot of companies now in the US are talking about cutting travel spend um, mm. from the corporate level. Um, so look, it hasn't happened yet, but probably in the six to 12 month time, you will have that earning um, you know, outlook started mm. um, being tapered. So uh, share market always look forward 12 months. So I, I do think it's probably in that neutral territory or taking profit territory. Okay, zip, what do you think? Look, I think Zip is um, it's an interesting space at the moment. Um, I do think, um, given the M&A, amount of M&A in the pipeline, mm. um, you know, this company probably looking very interesting from uh, from a lot of corporate angle. Um, they still have a very large platform, mm. uh, like you know, just after Afterpay in the old days, and yeah. Afterpay is being taken out. Um, I think further down the track, perhaps early next year, uh, when we cleared all that M&A. Um, indigestion in terms of loans and things. Mm. Um, and next year, we should be beginning to see a bit more M&A to support its valuation. Okay, mm. let's, let's go to um, ELO, um, that's Elmo. Mm. It, is, it is actually being targeted by private equity now, I mm. think, isn't it? I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and EML, that's another interesting company. Mm. Uh, had so many problems, <laughs> uh, particularly uh, deciding to go to um, Ireland after Brexit. That's right. Yeah, do you have a view on EML? Oh, look, EML is getting harder because uh, you know Ireland was uh, considered a separate a separate issue when they mm. thought regulatory regulator have problems. Mm. Now the UK UK regulators looking at it, yeah. so it does um, making it very hard to assess what the outcome might be. Mm. Maybe outcome will be nothing, just a small <coughs> fine and things, but we're just very hard to see that. Now it is becoming very cheap and. It is a big beneficiary of high interest rate as well. Yeah. They hold quite a lot of money um, yeah, on the balance point. sheet, so uh, very leveraged to that. But it's just in the short term, given management changes and things, that you still it's very hard to actually make call mm. um, on where it might go. Even for future M and A opportunity for other people to buy this business, mm. you really need that regulatory um, uncertainty to be sort of cleared up. Yeah. Another stock that short sellers got stuck into, namely Tyro. Mm. Were the short sellers right there, or was it was it in many ways? The tech sell-off was a problem for Tyro. Yeah, I think it's a tech sell-off, and um, and I think uh, it's it did have some issues with um, you know some transitioning in terms of uh, or and issues with the customer experience. Remember that they had a bit of outage, yeah, which that, is and they're that's not when, supposed that's to. That's when the short sellers were sort of mm, uh, when they started. Into. Yeah, so look, I I think you know clearly all these names we quoted, uh, short sellers would have lost a lot of money <laughs> in those in those names. Mm. And Tyro has proven to be well, it's got a real business. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got a Huge base, and it's got Bendigo Bank, and it's got all these other bank coming yeah. on. Did you do you think the, the the prices are being offered right now for Tyro are far too low? The board thinks so. Look, it 
there is a lot of value in that company. Mm. It might take longer. Yeah. Um, so I think for a lot of uh, long shareholders being sitting on the board, uh, yeah. sitting on the register might feel a little bit impatient. Yeah. Um, but, um, but the company, I know it, it does have a lot of long runway, mm. although it needs to continue to reinvest because yeah. you don't want its own technology to become obsolete. You don't want to just hold on to the terminal mm. because now the Afterpay is joint force with uh, Square and you know all the landscape is changing dr dramatically. Yeah. Um, you know, Tyro doesn't have enough capital to really compete with those big boys. Yeah, and it's, and it's probably w why mm. the banks have been sniffing around. Mm. I think we've heard that NAB. That's right, yeah, yeah. I think there was more of a rumor. Mm. But uh, ANZ or Westpac? Westpac, 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 Westpac yeah. yeah. I, I can see the, the good sense in a bank looking at Tyro. Absolutely. Given its customer base. But Absolutely. you're right, it would have the money. Because the, the challenge for, for Tyro would have to be at the very small end where those square, mm. those little square, mm. um, the little yeah. really work for a, a smaller operation. That's right. Tyro is probably a much higher level business, but still, mm. it's it's a part of the of the, the sector they they could have got mm. if they moved fa faster and had the money to mm. do so. That's right. All right. What's your favourite favourite stock of the week? Which one have either you bought or you're going to buy? Probably you already bought. Uh, which do you think has the most upside in the portfolio? Uh, Ramsey is by far <coughs> the probably the highest conviction really? at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they just had an update. So clearly, you know, share price is way below its asset value now. Mm. Um, it's, uh, it's It's got a lot of hard assets and its earnings recover recovering. And the latest result, um, the update last week, actually turned out to be better than expected. I mm. thought it would take a whole lot longer for the hospital to return. Uh, it's just a matter of time for the earning to return. Waiting mm. list is really long in a public hospital. Um, you know, people will gradually return to those uh, those those places. So it is very cheap, um, significant discount now to the bid. Mm. Um, but not we're not betting on you know mm. bid coming back. But it's a premium hospital used to trade a premium to the market. Now it's a discount. Um, earning will grow double digit for the next many years just to catch up on all the backlog. Yeah, um, yeah good management team. Great asset. Sounds like a very healthy tip there, Jimbo Lou <laughs> Ramsey. That's Jimbo Lou of Tribeca Alpha Plus. Joining me now is Anthony Doyle of Fire Trail, and uh, three weeks ago he was with us. He was pretty positive and optimistic that uh, everything was heading in the right direction for stocks. He got it right. The big question is, do we stay in, or could the smarties try and sell this one off? Let's see. Good to see you, Anthony. Hi, Peter. Well, you know, as I say, you, you, you got it right, and um, as I lied, but... You're the guest here, so I can't really boast about <laughs> me getting it right. But the bottom line is, so inflation is full and the market liked it. The next question is, do we have to get another good number in December for the market to really believe it and get this rally going on? And the second part of the question is, well, if we don't get a good one, could the market sell off? Yeah, well, there's a saying in statistics that one result doesn't make a trend, Peter. And yeah. we've had certainly a very good result, um, resulting in one of the strongest days the equity markets globally that we've seen since COVID. Mm. But we think there's very good reasons that we may continue to see a deceleration in inflation. And like you say, if that feeds through, that's really bullish for, for the equity market in particular, because it gives it a sense, it gives investors a sense that maybe the Fed might take their uh, foot off the brake a little bit in terms of raising interest rates mm. uh, and might actually not have to raise rates by as much in order to get the decline in inflation that they're looking for. Okay. Now, I'm going to reveal something personal about Anthony Doyle, which he'll have to confess to. 
See, he wasn't always someone working for a fund manager. He used to be a serious economist. Now, I'm not saying you're <laughs> not serious, now, but you, you were an economist. You didn't have to talk about markets, did you, in the no. Macquarie days, was it? Macquarie, yes, yeah. correct. Uh, and you are more just pursuing to be right as an economist. Yes. As, yeah. as economists try to do, but not always succeed. Of course, yeah. And taking all that into account, um, it's, it's logical for me that there's going to be a whole lot of data drops between, between that last great inflation number, or, or better than expected. Well, better than expected, yeah, yeah exactly. Still 7.7%, yeah, yeah, still very yeah, high. Better than expected. And the next inflation number, and we're going to be, there's going to be data drops along the way, and each mm -hmm. data will be analysed by economists, serious and unserious ones. Of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and they'll be trying to work out whether the, the next one will ha have the trend going. And also, you're going to have Fed officials. If you're a Fed official, and a lot of people like your old persona ended up being a Fed official, yeah. would you be happy to say, oh, yeah, we're off the races? They're, I think they're more likely to be, be very cautious and jawboning about that. What, what do you think? Peter, you're absolutely right. Um, so we've got a couple of analysts at an investment bank conference this morning where there was a Fed speaker talking. Yeah. Um, and they've reported back to us uh, at Firetrail that one of the, the members of the, the Federal Reserve Board yeah. has actually indicated that he's not happy with the reaction that um, has occurred in market. But yeah. when we will talk about uh, officials, as you know, economists, um, we like to categorise officials as to whether they would prefer interest rates to be very high or perhaps they're more concerned about growth. And this yeah. official is very, very, uh, what we describe as hawkish on inflation. So he's yeah. very concerned about inflation so he's saying that, uh, as economists do, we will uh, play the long game here. Inflation is still too high. Mm. We want interest rates to go higher, and much will depend upon the, the evolution of inflation over the course of the next couple yeah. of months. Yeah. So that kind of week we call jawboning or jawboning. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That is likely to maybe take a bit of the rise out of this rise, but my feeling is, obviously, I want your reaction. Uh, look, for example, our market's up 11% in, in last, since October 3 or something like that. Yes. And I feel as though there'll be a pullback of some kind until the next inflation number. But then if the inflation number's good, I think we'll, we'll, we'll take off again. Is that the way you're reading it? Well, there's been a couple of events just over the course of the last three or four days since Thursday that has really supported the uh, risk appetite of investors. Yep. So investors' willingness to enter into equity markets. Mm. It was started off with inflation yep. being better than expected, but confirmed uh, out of China that they are taking steps to move away from their zero COVID policy. Yep, great. Also taking steps to support their property sector as well. Mm. So um, I've been on the show before and I've said that the US sets interest rates for the world and China sets growth for the world. And we also have Biden and Xi meeting today in Indonesia, mm. which potentially suggests some thawing of uh, the relationship um, that uh, became quite tense during the Donald Trump administration. Yeah. So there's been a lot, of, um, a lot of events that have occurred to give investors a bit of hope there. Headwinds dissipation. <laughs> well, that would be the economist's yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> too technical lingo, but yeah. um, it, it's starting to line up a little bit for a rally into, risk, uh, rally into year end, that Santa Claus effect yeah. that we often highlight. And it seems to me, uh, Anthony, if they get another uh, jobs number, which is not all that aggressive in terms of rises and stuff like that, the market will like that. So it's, gonna be, it's really going to be like a game of ping pong between, you know, 
it, can you trust this number? Will it get better? And if it does, I think, so you're happy to pin your, um, um, without question, reputation to the mask that if that inflation number in December is a, is a good one, even a better one, then the market will really like it. Yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right there, mm. Peter. And we do think that inflation has probably peaked yeah. in that uh, we've seen supply chain issues. They've resolved themselves. Mm. If you look at um, shipping freight uh, costs, for example, we also think that a lot of the heat's coming out of the consumer in the US because interest rates have risen, much like here in Australia. Mm. Um, so we do think that potentially you are going to see some, some really positive news on inflation. Mm. And then economists' focus will shift to inflation. Okay, maybe that's a little bit better. Yeah. They'll shift to what's Recession. the state of the labour market and yeah. what's the state of the, the economy in general. The labour market is so important because around 60% of a Western economy like the US or Australia is driven by consumption. So are households tightening their belts yeah. or are they continuing to spend freely? And, and let's go back to something you mentioned then about China. And how long, if China stops doing its excessive lockdowns, and how long before the greater production that would come from less lockdowns, how long would that then take to give us some cost disinflation, inflation falling because costs are coming down from China. Would you expect it by the, we'd see it by the middle of the year or something like that? It's pretty quick. If you look at uh, the um, shipping containers, for example, the, the big cargo ships, yeah. a lot of the wait times going into ports have alleviated to some extent as mm -hmm. well. So there would be a lag of between three and six months, but we've already seen some of those big supply chain constraints mm. really starting to, as I mentioned, resolve themselves. And what we've seen is companies, particularly in the, the latest earnings season, yep. they've reported they thought that the good times were going to last forever. So they ordered a lot of inventory for yep. fear of those supply chain constraints remaining, yep. and they're stuck with a lot of it on their hands. Yep. So they're now starting to try and shift some of that, and they're cutting prices right. yep. or they're, um, really forcing their um, suppliers to really um, screw them down on the deals that they've got. So we've seen that across apparel names, we've seen that in consumer discretionary names. So it is an environment where it does look like the consumer is slowing to some extent mm. and you're starting to see some of those inventories build up. So in a sense then, uh, the, the lower inflation from lower costs could show up um, early next year, which then would take the heat off the Reserve Bank to raise interest rates as fast as it has because they're fighting the demand side of inflation, but they can't do anything about the cost. No. But, and I, did you pick up, I think it was in the NAB survey of business conditions, where the comment was from business that business costs are easing, which I thought was a, a small reference, but mm. a really interesting one that business would be, would be saying they're noticing that costs are starting from before. Wouldn't be yeah. energy costs, but no, other costs. You're absolutely right. Mm. And what we've also seen is uh, migration starting to occur again. You know, that's a real um, policy pivot that we saw in the latest budget from yeah. the new Labor government as well. Um, so here domestically, the RBA, they were the first of the global central banks to say, hang on a second, yes, inflation is high, but we aren't going to be as aggressive in keep on raising those interest rates as quickly as other central banks mm. for a number of reasons. One being the outlook for the consumer, the outlook for the labour market, but also house prices are declining now and that mm. can 
higher mortgage rates, higher interest rates often feed very quickly yeah. into a higher cost of living for Australians. And, and coupled with those energy prices, yeah. suggest the RBA is right to be tentative in, in raising rates. And, and because most of our Australians are on variable rate mortgages, multi-policy does, does work faster very here quickly. than the US. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Peter, yeah. So the US is 30-year yeah. fixed rates. Okay. All right, so it's been a very interesting discussion between between two economists. He was serious somewhere. Oh, I was once serious at <laughs> yes. University of New South Wales. Big, been less serious ever since. But, okay, people watch this show to try and work out how they're going to invest. And one fantastic reaction from Thursday till Friday in the US was the big rebound in big tech. Yes. Like a week or so ago, so, oh, big tech could be in trouble for some time. And it shows me that... If, if interest rates are going to stop rising in the US, tech's going to take off. Do you think that's right? Well, we might disagree here, Peter. So we're a bit more Ooh, cautious. Huh? Yeah, we're a bit more cautious on the outlook for the big growth tech names. Mm. Um, that's not to say that they aren't fantastic companies. Yeah. They're big for a reason. Yeah. Um, and they, they are great companies. Right. But for us, it's whether they are, uh, the valuation is there mm. and whether their earnings will be strong enough to deliver share price gains over the next three to five years. That's our investment time horizon yep. as professional yep. money managers. So we saw some weak results from Amazon and Meta um, during the, the quarter. Mm. Um, you know, Meta was particularly hard hit, down 20% in a day. Amazon, similar levels. Meta down, so that's Facebook, um, mm. the old Facebook, yeah. down 75% for mm. the year. Um, and the rally that we saw uh, on Thursday and Friday really reflected longer expectations for interest rates to to fall uh, at longer maturities. Mm. So the reason we're more cautious is we're just finding far better opportunities in other parts of the market. So that's not to say we don't like tech or we don't like growth, mm. uh, but we think that there are other companies there on better valuations. And in the case of Amazon, for example, it's a fairly exposed to the consumer, the US mm. consumer in particular, got a big cloud business. Mm. Uh, but as I mentioned, you know, with the uncertainty around the outlook for the US consumer, We've done the work there. We don't think that that's a place that we want to invest right now. Are you buying, are you buying any tech or is it, is it a certain kind of tech? High, highly profitable, right space? We want to see that there is profitable. So mm. the, big, uh, the big exposure that we have in our portfolio is Microsoft, for example. Mm. Um, so that's a, a mega cap growth name. I bet you it's profitable. <laughs> it is, yeah. So we, we want, and the market has really hit those companies that don't have a clear line of sight of earnings yeah. and profits within the medium term, it, they've been hit the hardest. Mm. And you've seen a lot of those mega cap growth style names like Spotify and Salesforce, for example, globally, really have a, a strong focus on cost, taking out a lot of their costs. And we've seen a lot of tech layoffs in particular yeah. as a result of that, as they are, they've heard the message loud and clear from share and stock investors, where's, where's the earnings? Mm. Um, we, we, we're not going to fund this growth for infinity anymore. We want to see you deliver revenues, deliver earnings for us right okay. now. Yeah, so you guys have a global fund now. Is it hedged or you, you hedge it by buying in different currencies and different um, markets? Yeah, so it's the Fivetrail S3 Global Opportunities Fund. Mm. The active ETF, which is the ticker S3 Go on the ASX, is unhedged. We also offer a hedged version. So that's if uh, Australian investors want to make a call on the strength of the Aussie dollar. Mm. They, they, the active ETF is unhedged, but there is an unlisted unit trust which is fully hedged. Okay. And what do you think is going to happen to the dollar over the next year? I think there's a, a strong case, particularly with some of those early tentative signs of stronger Chinese growth potentially, that you see strong demand for our commodities. 
and as a result, stronger dollar. Um, so I think that what's really, it's not that the Aussie dollar has been weak. If you look at a basket of traded currencies that we, our most mm -hmm. traded partners, it's actually what grabs all the headlines and what investors need to look beyond is the strength of the US dollar, yeah. which reflects much higher interest rates in the United States. So if we start to see, again, going back to the, the initial start of our conversation, inflation starting to become more manageable, interest rates potentially petering out uh, in, at the back end or, or middle of next year in the US, then it looks like the big uh, run up that the US dollar has had, that might actually begin to peter out and the Aussie dollar might stand uh, a good chance of uh, actually appreciating next year relative to the USD with that strong demand for our commodities. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, when, when you throw in the fact that US interest rates are either going to stop rising or even fall, that's another good thing for the dollar. Great to see you, mate. Cheers, Peter. Thanks. Anthony Doyle at Final Trail. Joining me now is Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. And I want to talk to him about Zero. This is a stock that both Paul and I like, and we've said we think it looks like great value. Uh, but he's done some homework, got dig, dug deep. So what's the latest on Zero, uh, Zero Paul? Yeah, I mean, Zero had a bit of a tough week last week, Peter, because of it uh, announced its first half profit result, which, look, I think the market was really sort of a little bit concerned about the... Um, What's going on in the UK and the US? And look, we all know Zero's you know, fan, been fantastically successful in Australia and New Zealand. It just dominates the accounting yeah. software market uh, and actually produced some pretty good results. But not only subscribers growth in Australia and New Zealand, but also is able to increase what we call ARPU or average revenue per user. Yeah. That the is the money that can drag out of a Yeah, car. and uh, that was up quite a bit, you know, largely because a bit of a price increase, yeah. but also because people are using their platform. Uh, more for, for other things, yeah. payroll and also yeah, some other functions. They're selling other functions. Yeah, other functions. Yeah. But most of their expenses, Peter, are actually going into expansion in, into the UK and US. And mm. you might say, well, how can a Australasian, I'll call zero Australasian, they are from New Zealand, but we like to think Without of them as... Without us, they wouldn't have really made it. We like to think of them as Australian, but they are from New Zealand. Like Russell Crowe, he's yeah. in New Zealand, but he wouldn't have made uh, it without us. Succeed over, overseas, it's a tough market. You know, yep. There are already good accounting platforms and so forth. Well, there are, but it just so happens that we're a lot more advanced in terms of the cloud and, and, uh, and what Zero's been able to add, you know, leaves, you know, leaves some of their rivals um, you know, looking really second rate. Yep. But the problem with that is those, they're big markets, they take a lot of marketing dollars, they're hard to crack, it's hard to get change amongst accountants and their clients. Mm. Uh, and the growth in, in the UK and the US has been a little bit disappointing. So that was sort of behind the, 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 uh, the, the sell-off last week. It mm. bounced back a bit on Friday because, you know, we saw tech the, the, the tech uh, rally. But, but if you look back over the course of the last, you know, since the start of the year, uh, Amongst the major cap technology stocks, Zero is down a bit over 50%. You know, um, uh, actually, a company like ComputerShare is actually up. Altium has only lost 19%, and WiseTech's only down 1%. So, yeah. amongst the leaders, yeah. Zero is the real lagging. Uh, and, and we often thought Zero is what, probably the best tech company in the country. Isn't yeah, it? and look, I think that's, that's partly a function of, of you know, the market re-rating certain tech companies in terms of multiples, uh, you know, so-called sort of you know, enterprise value to sales multiples have really come down globally. And Zero, being in that sort of business, being in the software as a service business has really s suffered. 
But I think it's also because it really hasn't delivered as much as well as it should have offshore. And the market's now looking at it and saying, well, why are you spending so much offshore if you're not quite getting the growth? So the growth you know, on, on headline numbers looks okay. It's just that it's not meeting quite market expectations. And that's really behind the share price fall last week. And, and obviously, this was a pretty ambitious program to take on the Poms and the Yanks. And in the middle of it was COVID as yeah. well. So it wasn't like it was a, an easy marketing um, introduction to those important markets. So, Paul, you, you know, you've drilled into it. And as I say, like you and I, we both think this is a good company of the future. And we kind of would have thought it was probably getting close to $100 by now. What, your, your work you've done today, what, what's your, your conclusion on the short-term and medium-term prospects for the stock? Well, let's, let's start with what the brokers think. The brokers are still pretty positive on zero. So uh, consensus target price is around about $85 to $87. Mm. Now, that compares with the market price now of, of 70 So the brokers think there's about 20% up, upside. Yep. Now, in saying that, they have all been bringing their target prices down throughout the year. Yeah. The, target, the consensus target price was a lot higher yeah. a couple of weeks ago and a lot higher a few months ago. But the brokers think there's upside. Um, secondly, you know, you've got to say that the company's been remarkably successful in Australia and New Zealand uh, and has the fact that it can grow revenue uh, here, mm. despite what you think is almost saturation coverage, uh, and grow customers. Yeah. Uh, it's doing pretty well. So it has the skills to execute, it has the team to execute, uh, and you've got to think it's probably got the product to execute. So it's just a matter of, well, can it do it in, in the US and the UK? Mm. Now, there were some... You know, some circumstances, there's some tax changes in the UK that were delayed and a few other things that just caused accountants to sort of slow down. But I think, you know, the, the market wants to see zero do better there. Uh, and that's probably the biggest factor that would cause a re-rating of zero. So I think it's probably okay at these sort of prices, Peter. I mean, I've, I've been long a lot from a lot higher up. Mm. I think this is the sort of price where you cautiously add some more. But I don't know whether you're going to see an, an enormous re-rating in the short term. So if, if the market sort of really loves zero again, I think one of two things has to happen. Either we see a lot better penetration and, and take-up rate and success rate in the US and UK. Yeah. And we're probably not going to see that more stats on that for another six months or yeah. close to that. Or secondly, you know, the whole you know, global technology sector has to re-rate. And yeah, that might happen if once the market is convinced that inflation is actually down. So I think that's the upside case. And, and as I said, the brokers think there's value. So there's clearly people like you and I saying there's a bit of value in zero and that yeah. can provide and I'm sure some, ha some of those brokers even have a bigger rise ahead than the 20% average. Yeah, they, they do indeed, Pete. Yeah. And look, and to zero's credit, it has been, look, it is very aware of that the market now wants, I won't say profitable tech companies, but it wants companies tech companies that are either, if they're growing, they've got to grow quickly, and you've got to show that the reinvestment of the dollars is wise, mm. and there has to be a pathway to profitability, and there has to be, you know, they want strong cash flow. Uh, and zero is making headways on both, but I just think it needs to go harder, mm. and that's what the market wants to see. It's funny, as I listen to you, Paul, and you, you think about their attempts to, to break into the UK and American markets, I'm just thinking, they, they are potentially a takeover target from a private equity firm, aren't they? Yeah, look, they are, Pete. I mean, because half their customers uh, are offshore, mm. you know, uh, and so there's a lot, lot of opportunity. I mean, just to sort of give you the numbers around that, about 57% of Zero's revenue is in Australasia, and that's 40% of the cost base. The other 
43% of the revenue is in offshore and it's 60% of the cost base. Yeah. So that's where all the money is going, yeah. uh, going overseas. And as they develop their product and develop their sales and marketing effort, they're just not growing quickly enough and that's what they need to do. Uh, and you say, well, why bother to go overseas? Well, there are two reasons. A, that the size of the markets is just so much bigger Massive. than what you can get in Australasia. And secondly, you know, we sort of, we're actually quite advanced in terms of adoption of the cloud <laughs> in yeah. some software and some of the features. So in terms of a product whole cloud accounting platform, they're actually more advanced than most of their competitors in yeah. those markets. So yeah. the opportunity's there, it's a matter of execution. And they wouldn't have benefited from a lower dollar either, would they? Yeah, look, at the, the, well, there's, they're, 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 they measure it, of course, in Kiwi dollars, so yeah. that, there's obviously some issues there. But, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, th I think that the market's not unhappy with zero. It's just that it's, it can, at the moment, where tech is, uh, you know, is, I won't say it's on the nose, but people aren't falling in love with it. The market can be fairly circumspect, and it's just some of the fundies are saying, well, we like the zero story, but... We want to see some more progress before we're really and going to get back into it. And they are competing against other firms that might look more attractive in the short term. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so tough road ahead, but not an impossible road. And I think they're a company you still... I, I'm going to back. Are, are you uh, going to buy more, Paul? I am. I'm, I, think, I think you've got I'm time on too. your hands a little bit because I don't think we're going to get the re-rating in the short term. Hmm. We could, all technology could go up, Peter. I mean, of yeah. course, if we get a second inflation figure in the US... That's good. That's really good. You know, the whole market could turn on itself again. But... Yeah. I think there's time with, with zero, but uh, I think it's a company too back. Yeah. And they've got appoint, announced the appointment of a new CEO as well. So uh, a female, yeah, and she's coming out of the states. So mm. clearly, that's she's going to be, uh, as I understand it, from what the zero is saying, uh, spending most of her time in Northern California. Yeah. Well, not most of her time. She's going to be based in Northern California and obviously commuting to Australasia and other markets mm. on a pretty regular basis. But it does show you where they're trying to head. Yeah. Uh, and they've gone for some uh, a person who that thinks it's going to drive. The, what is the name of the new CEO? Uh, Sukinda Singh Cassidy. She's yeah. uh, arriving in November. Takes over on the first of February. Yeah. Replaces Steve Vamos. And so look, that's where I guess Zero is betting on the fact that it's going to make it yeah. uh, in the US and the UK. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think you know we've got to back companies like that. But yeah. uh, you know it's got to start to also demonstrate that it really is making enough headway. Yeah, I, I think you know. Uh, obviously, Zero did well here under Vamos, but I found him to be quite an invisible leader. Didn't get out there and talk about his business enough. I hope this uh, this new CEO does that. So I, I do think it's a good company, but it has let us down. That's Paul Ricard. If you want to know more and want to read his story, go and sign up for the Switzer Report at switzerreport.com.au. And that's the show for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Remember, if you want to know more about stocks you can invest in, and you want to know more about different sorts of stocks we might not have talked about on the program, have a look at the Switzer Report, switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining us. See you on Thursday.